HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece has been brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listen to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides, your host. And oh my God, I just remembered it's Purim. Seriously. Already! Purim. Again. It just comes up so quickly. I mean, I feel like it was just Simcha's Torah. Am I right? Boy, did that winter go by fast. Purim! It's now. But the question really is, are you ready? Are you ready for this year's Purim? Did you choose your costume? Did you buy presents for all the kids on the block? Did you bake your dry, crumbly, never very delicious hamantashen? No? Well, come on! It starts tomorrow night. It's Purim Eve Eve, people. Crap, I totally forgot that it's Purim, and now I'll never be able to find a perfect Queen Esther costume this late in the game. What am I going to do? And I didn't have time to bake any hamantaschen. I might have time to bake them tonight after going to kickboxing and before my writing class, but I really don't know, so I may have to wait and bake them much later tonight while I'm watching Better Call Saul. Don't tell me what happens, because I'm only at the end of season one. Because just when we thought that the winter holiday season was over, kids, just when you finally put away the Christmas lights because the first daffodils, daffodils are blooming. Um, Yeah, because you know what? That's the sign to put away your Christmas stuff when you see the first daffodil. That's actually, no, that's real. Like that's, that's like in the Bible. It's in there. Okay. It's in Ecclesiastes. Remember Ecclesiastes? To everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. And a time to every purpose under heaven. Turn, turn, turn. And when the first daffodil shall bloometh, thou shalt fill thy rubber-made tubs with thy tinsel and animated reindeer. Turn, turn, turn. 
That's in the Bible, people. Ecclesiastes. Look it up. That first yellow bloom, that first daffodil, that's the heavenly command for putting away the Christmas decorations. And now for springtime, the holiday season is back. We have two holiday seasons and it's back. Because I know like Valentine's Day is just like a fading, disappointed memory. Let's just put it behind us. Let's just forget about Valentine's Day and all the inherent disappointment that it brings. And all the unsold clearance Valentine's Day candy, like the red and pink wrapped Hershey's Kisses, as opposed to the Christmas green and red wrapped Hershey's Kisses, or the Easter pink and yellow wrapped Hershey's Kisses. All of those, and like the red Valentine's Day marshmallow peeps, all that stuff that's on clearance, it's either been sold or dumped or now fed to the beef cattle to get them fattened up for grilling season, because it's almost grilling season, and you know they get them fat on surplus candy, right? You do know that. We've talked about that. And the onslaught now, the the wave of pink and yellow and lavender, everything is like, it's full force, right? The marshmallow peeps are coming out in numbers and the chocolate bunnies are multiplying, well, like, you know, bunnies. And the jars of gefilte fish and the boxes of matzah are filling up the supermarket end caps. You know, the end caps, the end of the shelf where they put seasonal and special things. It's time, people. It is spring holiday season time. Just when you thought it was safe. There's a whole other one. But it all starts with Purim. I mean, that's what we all look forward to, right? You know, New Year's ends and it's January. And oh, sure, we all have a big party for Martin Luther King Day. But then, you know, things quiet down. Then there's Valentine's Day, which is only good, like, if you're actually in a couple and that other half of the couple actually gives a shit. And then we all get depressed again in February. And that's March. And March usually sucks. But then there's Purim, the most festive fun day of the year. Okay, I know, like probably 75% of you are like, what is she talking about? What's Purim? Because we don't know about Purim. Even half my Jewish friends are like, what? So Purim is the Jewish festival, sort of like Halloween. It's celebrating something about a queen named Esther and a bad guy named Haman and some destroyed temple and some king and something else. But I mean, crap, I don't even remember, really, what the whole story is. So this morning, as I was putting together the show, I I looked it up. I was like, okay, let me find the website that gives me, like, the one-paragraph version of Purim. You know, like, the Reader's Digest Purim. But then something on BuzzFeed popped up and distracted me, and then I started reading Gothamist, and, and, you know, then I, I lost interest, because who has an attention span? Where was I? Anyway, during the Purim festivities... You go to your synagogue, you go to services, right? And then there's a party. And they tell the story of those guys, Esther and Haman and King, what's his name? And, you know, the whole story. But every time they mention Haman, because he's really the bad guy, you're supposed to make like a shit ton of noise and stomp your feet and yell and scream to drown out the sound of his noise. And you crank these little metal noisemakers that they give you when you're a kid to keep you happy because you are miserable because you're not celebrating Easter. And it's supposed to drown out his name. So you, like, every time they say, hey, man, everybody goes, ah, makes a lot of noise. It's like intelligent people at a Trump rally. It's the same idea. You're basically drowning out the bad guy's name, right? And then the thugs come along and kill everybody. Like in the old days with the Jews and like at a Trump rally. But anyway, Purim is like, it's basically Jewish Halloween. It's like... The Hindus say, oh, Diwali is Indian Halloween. And Purim, because that's a bad Indian accent, Purim is like Jewish Halloween because everybody needs their version of Halloween. Halloween is secular. Not originally, but it is now. 
And so kids get dressed up in costumes as their favorite Purim story action figures and superheroes. Because there's like three of them. And then they all get forced to go to these really boring, lame carnivals in the damp basements of their, you know, temples, like Temple Beth Shalom of New Rochelle, New York, like places like that. Long Island Jewish, North Shore Jewish Center. That's what it was. North Shore Jewish Center of East where I grew up. But we didn't go there because we were um, Socialist Worker Party Jews. So we didn't go to synagogue. But you go to these things. My Socialist Worker Party Saturday School had its own version of the Purim Carnival, which I will get to in a minute. And you go, and everybody has to eat hamantashen, because that's the big exciting treat, right? Everybody else gets baskets filled with, like, peeps and candy and jelly beans and giant chocolate bunnies, and we get hamantashen, which are these cookies. They're like, it's almost like somewhere between, like, a pie dough and a sugar cookie dough, and they get folded into triangles around a filling because they're supposed to look like Haman's three-cornered hat, like he was a pilgrim or something. Except that Tashin actually means pouch or pocket, so even though they're three-cornered like his hat, that means Haman's pockets bag. Uh, anyway, so they're dry and crumbly, and they never really taste good. And you fill them with usually, like, jam, like the good ones were filled with like apricot jam or the bad ones were filled with poppy seed tar, which is basically what it was. You take like poppy seeds and mix them with, I guess like with egg whites and sugar. You know, I don't even know. And it would make this like rock solid blob of hard poppy seed stuff in the middle. Now, look, I love a good poppy seed. You know, poppy seeds are like the seeds of my people. I love them. In the right context, like on a really good bagel or on top of a Kaiser roll or in a lemon poppy seed pound cake or in a poppy seed brown butter sauce on ravioli, perhaps appropriate use of poppy seeds, you know, or even in other baked goods. But poppy seed hamantaschen to me as a kid, they were like the cruel joke that the adults played on the kids to torture them. Right. They'd be like, here, kid, at boring Purim Carnival, where you're not really having any fun, dressed up as Queen Esther in your fat cousin's stained prom dress. Oh, yeah, because that makes you look like a regal queen. Here, kid, have a dry, crumbly, triangular cookie filled with hardened poppy seed cement. Oh, yeah, there were apricot and cherry and chocolate ones here before, but you got here too late because your parents were fighting about who had to endure the boring, the boring Purim Carnival this year. That's what people say to kids when they hand them the poppy seed hamantaschen. That's a quote. It was really a lot of fun going to these things. Meanwhile, as your non-Jewish friends, you know, your Gentile friends, Gentile, which as a child, I always thought was the same word as genital and Gentile. And I didn't understand the difference. And I would get embarrassed every time I heard my grandpa call my friends Gentiles because I thought he was calling them genitals. My Gentile friends were all indulging in a jelly bean and Cadbury cream egg orgy of candy gluttony merely in exchange for just a few boring hours at church. That's it. A much more direct and fair exchange, I always thought. Right. Instead of pretending we were all having fun at the Purim Carnival where everybody was dressed as the same three characters and we choked down the dry amantashen, which was really not any fun at all. They just had to endure like a mass or two and then go home and eat ham and be handed a giant plastic basket full of candy in what seemed to me a much more equitable exchange every year. Right? You get ham and candy. You sit in church for a couple hours. What do we get? You know, as usual, 
Now, one year, my family, before it imploded and everybody fell apart, thinking we were so creative and so clever, decided that I would be dressed up as an actual Hamantaschen. Because that's a good idea. Take the little fat kid with the nerdy glasses and dress her as a human giant triangular cookie. So my father, who was a shop teacher and very handy, actually built me a 3D giant Hamantaschen costume that I wore over my shoulders like a triangular sandwich board. Right? Like those guys who walk around outside of restaurants with advertisements on them. That was me. And it was even stuffed. Like it had two like bulging burlap pillows, one in the front, one in the back, with two different fillings. One was black for poppy seed and one was orange for apricot. I was a two-flavored human hamantaschen. And I couldn't sit down or really like do much of anything in it except kind of like waddle around. And the huge constructed costume sort of like trapped me in like I was a four-foot-tall walking little pyramid. Okay. And I still remember the smell of the basement where the party was and the soreness of my shoulders from carrying around that giant costume on that oh-so-festive, joyous occasion that we called Purim, a.k.a. Jewish Halloween, which sucked. Of course, we also celebrated Halloween because, you know, we weren't religious or anything. But that, I think, is why Jews don't believe in hell, because we live in it all the time, the here and the now in life, right? Having to do that, that's basically a child's version of hell. And so I probably consoled myself and my sore sore shoulders after that by binging on half-price Easter candy a few days later. And it's no wonder, and it's no wonder that I still secretly love Easter candy, and I will buy a pile of it on clearance this Monday when it goes on sale and everybody's moving on to the Memorial Day-themed marshmallow peeps. Because then the pink and green and yellow ones will be half-price. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, more Purim fun and madness. just your garden it's the way you live and there's so much to know but you have help bonnie plants now with bonnie's app homegrown you can learn about veggie and herb varieties track and record your garden with photos and notes share on facebook and twitter and so much more how'd you ever grow without it get homegrown with bonnie plants for iphone and android the more you know the better you can grow with bonnie Oh, my God, that ad puts me so in the mood to celebrate Purim. It's like spring is busting out all over in here. Ironically, that is exactly the kind of ad that I tend to go on auditions for, for doing the voiceover. But I think I'm a little sardonic sounding for that. That was like a little more chipper than I can usually manage. Well, welcome to Bonnie Plants, our new sponsor. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate it. I buy many bonnie plants, by the way, in spring for the garden. Just saying. Anyway, welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. 
with me, Erica Wides. We're celebrating Purim today here down in Foodiness Fallout Shelter. There's no Purim foodiness, by the way. Hobmintoshin just are what they are. Dry, crumbly triangles of Jewish misery, basically. So Purim is just like a blip on the spring holiday calendar. You know, I know it's the first one that comes up and we all get excited. But the big action, of course, comes a little bit later with Easter and Passover. Because, you know, that's what spring's all about. Although this year, those holidays are nearly a month apart. Which I think is fairly unusual because... Well, Passover's lunar. Easter's just whatever the church says. I don't even know how they figure stuff out. Um, but it makes things complicated. You know, it's it's complicated because you think, well, those are the holidays. They'll both be sort of right around the middle of April. But then Easter is this Sunday, which is like March 20-something. And then Passover comes at the end of April. So it makes things really complicated because, um, like, school breaks. Like, how are you supposed to plan your spring vacation? around that, right? But it's also really great because when it comes to alternate side parking suspensions here in New York, it spreads it all out. So you actually get a few extra days of suspended parking because Easter is early and Passover is late, which means if I plan things outright, I may ha- I may not have to move my car for at least the next four weeks if you sort of work the calendar. And Really, that's why you own a car when you live in New York City, so that you can park it and then try to avoid ever having to use it or move it ever again. Because once you have a good parking spot, that's really like you've won. You've won the game and you just leave it where it is. Oh, but it is actually time. to. I do have to use my car because it's time to drive up and open Tiny Bungalow. Yay! Tiny Bungalow season is upon us. We can reopen April 1st unless it snows. It might be too cold. But I, I don't think it will. And I'm excited for that because I can't wait to get back to my grill and my garden and my bonnie plants and my hiking and my swimming and bring it on. It's time. It's time to put some mackerel on the grill and plant the little radishes. That's what spring is all about to me. But speaking of spring holidays, there is one spring holiday that actually came and went this week. And I, like I didn't even know about it. It whoop, right by. I had no idea. Came and went. And it wasn't like one of those Easter-related things like Palm Sunday or... There's so many days associated with Easter. Ash Wednesday and Lent and really dragging it out just to sit around and eat a bunch of jelly beans, right? Let's just sum it up to one day. But no, this one thing, it came and went. And I didn't know about it until I actually read about it this morning in the national media. It was a total surprise to me. But it was National Slurpee Day this week and I missed it because you know I love a good Slurpee Uh, I don't think I've ever eaten well maybe like in junior high now National Slurpee Day didn't pop up on my Google calendar that lists all the secular American and Jewish holidays didn't pop up National Slurpee Day I didn't even know there was a National Slurpee Day is this a new thing like Kwanzaa like a new holiday I don't know now, for National Slurpee Day, those generous, benevolent folks over at 7-Eleven, they decided to throw open the doors, throw open the Slurpee taps, and just let it, let it rip. People were welcome to bring in their own containers, their very own containers, as big as they wanted, to fill up with as much blue cola dingleberry flavored slush as they could hold. As much as you want. Bring it on. 
all in a festive pagan influence celebration of the ancient goddess of icy treats, who I tried to find a name for, but I like could not find the right one there. I'm still working on it. When I figure out her name, I'll tell you. And when you tell devout holiday loving Americans to follow a tradition, and that tradition brings their it's to bring their own containers, well, you better watch out. You better not cry. Because they will. People will bring their own containers and fill them up for National Slurpee Day because people brought their crockpots and their Halloween candy collecting buckets and their giant movie popcorn tubs and even an inflatable kiddie pool. I saw this all in the news. Now, there was some kind of size limit rule enforced, but they they didn't seem to be really enforcing it very strictly because on the news reports I saw there people were filling up like their inflatable kiddie pools and their giant buckets and their like 50 gallon oil drums and their orange Home Depot buckets filling them up with free frozen sugary slush simply because they would or they could simply because they could and because it was free happy holidays welcome to america because living in a country where we actually spend money albeit not very much money on a giant tub of frozen sugar water which is merely going to hasten our deaths isn't enough and we can't resist the chance to wallow in even more blue dyed frozen sugar water simply because it's free it's free Okay, I mean, maybe like this was a holiday. Maybe it was like a loaves and fishes thing. Maybe this actually was like a heavenly miracle, some sort of divine thing. The miracle of the free flowing Slurpee machines. Like maybe actually there was some kind of divine intervention here. I don't know. But I do know that once Donald Trump is elected president, ah, make the noise like Haman. All Slurpees will be free. Because he actually, you know, that's that's a plank of his platform. Permanent free Slurpees, but all health care and education costs will actually be tripled. Because that's what the people of this formerly great country need to make us formerly great. Again, free Slurpees for everybody, except not for Mexicans. They can't have them. Okay, now let's change subject here let's take sharp left as they say in comedy writing sharp left sharp left turn kill your babies sharp left turn i've been taking a comedy writing class so i know all the lingo now kill your babies don't kill your babies you'll get the pro-lifers like all up in your grill about that okay now some of you have written to me lately asking me to start talking about food again Like real actual food. Like I used to talk about on Why We Cook, my first show, and earlier on this show. They're like, Erica, we like when you talk about food, real food, cooking, things like that. Can you get back on track a little bit? And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever you want. So, you know, I want to talk about like food and like how to find, prepare, and eat it, which is what I actually say the show is about in the intro, but I actually hardly ever get around to talking about anymore because I'm on some kind of rant all the time. Although the rants are fun, too. But, okay, let's talk about food. What do you want to talk about? Okay, well, this, let's, I mean, we're talking about spring, right? So this is a really tough time of year for, for us chefy types. For, well, really, for anyone who cares about at least trying to eat seasonally or trying to make a token, like, gesture or effort about eating seasonally. I like to think I eat seasonally, but then I go to Trader Joe's and I buy bags of pre-washed tiny baby arugula. That's not in season. 
I don't know where that's being grown. California, Mexico, I don't know. But, like, nothing new locally is in season yet. We're still stuck in the root cellar, and we're still going to be there for, you know, at least a month. Now, I don't do things like buy tomatoes now or peaches. I mean, that would just be insane. You know, that's ridiculous. But, you know, there's asparagus popping up from Mexico, and that's all right. You know, it's, it's coming, but we'll be getting local asparagus soon. Like, within the next month or so, there'll be local. It is asparagus season now. It's coming. But the asparagus now, you know, it's coming from Mexico and the asparagus is stealing all our jobs and everything. And, um, you know, I just want good old American local asparagus because that's what's going to make us great again is not, you know, is having local asparagus. But here in New York, we won't get that probably till May. So I'm just going to wait until we get it. I mean, I guess I could just spend the whole end of the root veg season eating stale hamantaschen and half price Easter candy but that's not really in my nutritional plan these days because I basically just got back to working out after three weeks of knee pain induced downtime thanks so much everybody for sending me in your suggestions about the knee pain not which nobody did it's gone now so I'm okay but I have to be really careful because I think I actually gained a few pounds just sitting around this past month not working out so no more stale hamantaschen and half-price Easter candy binges from me. It's all about asparagus now. But until then, what am I going to eat? What, what to eat? What to eat? Well, you know, my new favorite thing, which I think we talked about already, is Okinawan sweet potatoes. I've mentioned these before, right? Not exactly like a locale thing, but delicious. Because I was thinking about Easter candy colors, purple and pink and all those beautiful colors. I mean, that's what's so appealing about Easter candy to me is the colors. It's like the crocuses that come up in the spring. There's a reason they're purple and yellow because they look like Easter candy. That's why they're so beautiful and exciting. But I was thinking about these Okinawan sweet potatoes, and I remembered that these babies are the most beautiful, deep, vibrant purple I've ever seen in a food inside. And they taste... They taste sort of like mochi. If you've ever had mochi, kind of like subtly sweet... But they have this very dense, fudgy texture. They're just amazing. I think I talked about this before, but they're so good. And there's a yellow version, too, Japanese sweet potato. And they're equally as delicious in a slightly different way. But they're not as visually exciting. And they're probably not as nutritious because they lack that purple pigment. And, you know, it's all about pigments when you're eating your vegetables. Darker the pigment, the better. But if you come across some of these purple sweet potatoes in your local market, you should just grab them and try them. All you have to do is bake them. Just bake them whole till they're soft, just like any other potato. But then split it open and put some butter and some miso on them. A little dab of butter, a little dab of miso, and then put some chopped scallions on top. Oh, my God. Crazy good. So I had this idea that I'm going to take some of those purple sweet potatoes, and I'm going to try to make some gnocchi with them next week for class. Not at home, because we never eat that stuff at home. But I'm teaching a gnocchi class, and I think I'm going to, Use purple potatoes and see what happens. They might turn kind of lavender. They might turn kind of gray. That wouldn't be good. But I think that'll be amazing. And seriously, like, why would you ever drink something that's colored fake blue? I can't let the Slurpee thing drop. I'm sorry. But why would you drink a fake blue purple colored thing when you could eat something that's so really actually and healthily purple? I don't get it. Now, if 7-Eleven really wants to bring in the people, like the good people, like me, like the non-Trump voting people, 
What they should install are machines that dispense mashed purple sweet potatoes with a melted butter and miso toppings bar. Right? It sounds delicious, I think. Mm, that's actually a really good idea. Maybe I should do that. Mm, a mashed potato dispensing machine. I feel like I've seen that. I feel like I maybe even mentioned that here once before. A mashed potato dispensing machine. But these would be mashed purple Japanese sweet potatoes. Now, we're running out of time, but I've also been on a little meatball kick lately. You want to know what I've been cooking and you want to talk about food, so let's talk. I've kind of been on this little meatball thing lately since I like to try when I eat meat to only eat good meat, like grass-fed, pastured meats. But those can be a little bit pricey. So I buy the ground stuff. Ground meat is like the ground meat is the answer. Ground stuff is like that's the bomb because a, they're so much cheaper, and B, they're a great way for farmers to make up some of the revenue that it costs them to raise these animals because almost half of an animal winds up as ground product, and so they can actually make some money off of that. And personally, what am I saying here? Oh, personally, I would rather have like a good like ground goat or lamb burger or meatball than you know just a chunk of meat that potentially is not going to be so delicious. I'd always rather get the ground. So I got a bunch of ground um, Heritage Berkshire pork last week from Heritage Foods, of course. And I made these pork meatballs that I mixed up. I had some caramelized onions from something and I put the caramelized onions and some fennel seeds inside the meatball mixture and then I browned them up and we ate them with this sherry shallot jam that I made that's really sick really good and some broccoli rob so it was quite the delicious winter meal and quite economical to boot didn't cost very much just when you cook that stuff when you cook pork please keep it kind of pink please don't overcook it you don't have to leave it a little pink inside so it doesn't dry out your balls will thank you trust me so maybe i'll make pork meatballs for passover this year Hmm. or would that just be would that just be too wrong I don't know. I think last year I actually made pork for Passover. I think I'm probably going to get struck by lightning, but I may have to use lamb instead. I don't know. There's time. The spring holiday season has really just begun with Purim. Remember, today's the eve of the Purim Eve. I haven't even eaten a single jelly bean yet, so um, just just give me time. It's coming. We're out of time. Speaking of time, thanks for listening to Let's Get Real this week. Thanks to Dave Tat in the control room. Thanks to Ben Kaplan for writing my theme music. And follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. We'll see you next week. For listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.